You are listening to the Gig Coach Podcast, designed for anyone who wants to learn the secrets to becoming a successful professional entertainer without a record deal or even a song on the radio. I'm your host, Rockin' Rick Bell, but they call me the Gig Coach because I love helping performers achieve their dreams of earning a living with their talent just like I have. Who am I and what qualifies me to talk on this subject? I've been a full-time professional solo entertainer playing over 300 well-paid gigs a year for over a decade. I ditched my corporate day job in 2008 to play music full-time, and it was the best career decision I ever made. Over the years, I developed a unique combination of performing live guitar and vocals along with backing tracks and blending DJ music in throughout my live performances. This combination has proven to be a gold mine for me. And now I want to share my secrets with performers who want to turn their passion into their profession. Go to thegigcoach.com and join the Gig Coach Workshop. It's free to join and you'll receive a training module from my course, Booked Solid, Playing Solo for Good Pay, when you join the workshop. Go to thegigcoach.com and join the workshop today. Hello, entertainers. Rick Bell, Rockin' Rick here. Freshly back from a trip down to the coast. I live in Texas, near Austin, Texas. And for probably, I think this was the 11th or 12th year, I was trying to figure it out this time. I went down to the coast of Texas, down around Galveston. There's a place there called Surfside Beach, Texas. Beautiful little place. You've it's kind of been discovered now. It used to be a little bit of a well-kept secret, but the uh, travel channel started to do some of those uh, fixer-upper home things down there and beachfront houses. And anyway, all that kind of exposed it. So now it's a lot busier than it was when I discovered it, like I said, about 12 years ago. But I go down every year and I play a festival. The festival is uh, called the Great Texas Mosquito Festival. And yeah, it's kind of has a funny name, but it's a very serious festival. If you've ever played any of the fair festival things, if you've ever worked in that arena, you know that those are very uh, serious and lucrative events. They pay very well if you know how to, you know, position yourself to be one of the well-paid acts. Now, a lot of the acts they have at these festivals are free local acts. You don't want to be one of those, believe me. And you can position yourself to be in a position where you're going to be at $1,000 a day up, you know, up from there. That's kind of a base, maybe $995 for a three-hour, four-hour show at these, at these festivals because they have budgets. They have quite large budgets that they need to spend every year. They have corporate sponsors in the area. All of these festivals will have the local car dealerships and other businesses kicking in uh, money to help support the festival and to underwrite the cost of the entertainment. So they have quite large budgets for that. I've been doing festivals for 20-plus years. I joined some associations early on that were super beneficial. One is, one is the International Association of Festivals and Events, the IFAE. 
E, I believe it's what it is. It's one, one of those. They have two or three of them. They meet every year in Las Vegas, and it's a huge show. Talent buyers from all over the United States, for sure, uh, and sometimes internationally, will come and scout out the talent. Uh, they'll have a booth. All of the booking agents, the agencies will be there. The actual talent, an act, all of the acts will have a booth many times. And I've done this many years. It's it's really expensive to go. It will co- A booth will cost you several thousand dollars. But all of the buyers for all of the fairs and festivals in the United States for the coming year are there to buy talent, to buy your show. And if you make a good impression and do some of the things that I can, uh, I can teach you, I can talk about, to get yourself noticed and differentiate yourself from all the competition, if you can be something special, and I figured out how to do that, you know, over the years, if you can do that, they will line up at your booth to try and get your dates because there are only so many, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sundays available in their season, and their season typically will start in March. March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, and it will typically wrap up around November. And that during that season, they will fight to get the good acts. They have to have so much entertainment at each festival and event, and they want the good stuff. They can fill all the side stages with all of the local talents all day long, but those don't. There, there's a reason they pay money for the uh, for the more professional available acts that are out there. And this is a whole this is a whole segment. It's in my uh, my course on book solid playing solo for good pay. There's a whole section on how to get involved with these fair and festival associations and how to how to do that and have them lined up because they will line up at your booth to book you before the next guy do. It's a competitive thing with these events. They always want to get the best entertainers and the best shows. You'll typically do um, a show there, and then they'll skip a year, and then they'll bring you back the third year. They, They typically do that. The particular festival I just came back from they never have skipped me. They, since they first found me, they've booked me every year because I bring a unique blend of things. I play guitar and I sing with track music. That's the key. You have to have track music. You can't go down there with an acoustic guitar and sing. It's just everyone does that. It's too easy uh, you know, for someone to, to take that slot. You have to bring something special, and I do. I built a... Something called a strolling, they call it strolling in the fair festival event uh, industry. When you roll, when you move from place to place, it's called a strolling act. So I'm thinking 15, 20, maybe 25 years ago, I had an idea. I was in Las Vegas doing some things, and it occurred to me one day the most uh, popular places in Vegas were the piano bars, were the comedy piano bars where the guys you know, played Brown-Eyed Girl and Margaritaville and the fun, fun songs and the audience sings along. Those were the most popular. I was sitting in New York, New York. They had a um, bar there called the Big Apple, and it was a two in the afternoon, and it was a dueling pianos thing, and it was packed at two in the afternoon full. 
So I sat there with a little napkin and I scribbled out an idea. I said, these guys have got it going on. What if I could build some sort of a mobile moving thing that I could take to fairs and festivals and, uh, and play in one area and then move to another area without having to tear down and set up? It needed to be on wheels. So I came up with an idea for a piano truck. What I did was take one of the, you've seen them at airports. They're the little trucks that drive around and move the baggage from the plane to the claim area and all that. They're little, there's a certain kind of truck. It's a little mini thing. I bought one of those. I bought a used one and I had it painted and built it out to look like a rolling grand piano. <laughs> you know, not the full piano, but it had the keys all the way around it and it had the black top. And I would stand on top of that and perform with my guitar and sing. And I had a keyboard, a little mini keyboard set up because I play keys also. But, you know, I'm not a super great piano player, but I, I play keys. But I had that all set up. And that uh, I launched it as the strolling piano truck. And it was an instant hit. <laughs> they lined up to book that thing. And I think I was booking it in those days for probably $1,500 a day. Okay, that, that's how that, that is. That's where the pricing falls in that sort of, it's an, called an attraction. And they will pay, they'll hire you for every day. If the festival is five days or four days or 27 days, as it was in the case of the State Fair of Texas, they will hire you for the, the entire event. And you have to be flexible enough to be able to go and perform maybe starting on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, or whatever, however the event runs. But I would take the, the rolling piano truck, and it was a great hit because I could go to one area. They, the event organizers would say, hey, we want you over at the food tent at uh, 2 o'clock. Then at 2.30, we want to move you over to, you know, the kids' tent. And then at 4 o'clock, we want you to be over here for this pie judging contest or whatever. And the beauty of it was I had the sound system. And I could do the announcing for them. And they loved that. They have to have that. So I did the piano truck for a few years, but moving it and taking it, it had to go on a flatbed trailer. It, it was a major hassle. Plus, I got real concerned about the liability of driving that little thing. Now, it's, it's a mini truck. It's got many wheels on it. But when you're at a festival or a fair, there are literally tens of thousands of people milling around, walking around that event. So I got really concerned I was going to run over someone's foot. So I transitioned away from the driving cart, and I built a, a rolling cart that I could pull. Now, the cart had a, a batteries, inverters on it that created power. Some versions I had a generator, a small little Honda generator. It was a whisper quiet, you know, generator, and it produced the power. And I probably over the years have had, and no, no kidding, a dozen, maybe 15 different versions of that card. I just kept tweaking it as, as I would go along, I would learn more and I would put a different speaker system on the next year. Then I would have these lights. And when the LEDs LED lights would just do great stuff because they're lightweight. They don't draw any power. And I would play the guitar. I would roll this cart, um, pull it behind me, and it rolled pretty easily. 
and I would have my guitar. Everything would be on the card. I wouldn't need anything else. I would have a headset on. I could literally have it running, uh, the music playing on my DJ rig, which was all on the cart. That's the magic of it. You're not just going to play and sing. You're going to have to do the DJ thing because they want to do the line dances. They want to do the Cupid shuffle and all of that. And it, if you can deliver that for fairs and festivals, you can work forever as long as you want to work. I, I've done it a long time, and I know exactly how the thing works and what they want and how to book those things. So I just came back from my... Um, like I said, 11th or 12th year down at the coast of Texas. It's a very nice festival. It's probably, I would say, a medium-sized, not a huge festival. But they have um, A-list entertainers. They've had David Allen Coe there for the last few years. He wasn't, he hadn't been there the last two years, but he was there. But they have big, uh, big-name acts, and it's a, a ticketed event. It's not free, and it's like 20 bucks or something to get in the deal. But I've done that every year. Now, I'll tell you, interestingly, I also, for 20, for 27 days in a row, I played the State Fair of Texas several years. It was a, I was a daily featured act there. And again, it, would, uh, it was 27 days, actually 28 for me. I had to be there the day before the, the State Fair of Texas opened because we had to do a dress rehearsal where we, uh, the, the, uh, they were called stage managers. My stage manager had to sign off that, you know, my stuff was good and sounded good, looked good, all of that. Solo show, all solo. Let me tell you how I got that state fair. That's a very prestigious and hard thing to get. Those state fair things, it's a kind of deal where you don't call them, they have to call you. I mean, you can call them, but you're not going to get a call back because they, most of them, they, all, I would say virtually all of them, book through talent agents just because it's less hassle and the talent agent can take care of all the paperwork. They don't have to deal with the artists directly. So I had my strolling rock and Rick strolling guitar cart is what it ended up being rock and Rick strolling guitar cart. And this was probably around 2012. I'm thinking maybe, maybe 2011, 2010. And, uh, some an agent knew about me, and there was an a telephone uh, a conference. Okay, it was a webinar, basically an early webinar, and it, they had talent buyers from all over all over the United States from the you know fairs and festivals, and they used me as an example. The presenter said, "There's a guy in Texas who's come up with an ingenious." Uh, little contraption called the guitar cart and it rolls from you know place to place in your on your event grounds and it's able to play music do announcements blah 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 so he kind of I was actually on the presentation I, I I was surprised that he used me on that well on that presentation was one of the main agents for the state fair of Texas and as soon as that was over this you know the webinar was over I get a call from this agent uh, for the State Fair of Texas, and he says, would you be available for a 27-day engagement uh, for the State Fair of Texas starting in September the 24th, whatever, and ending in October of this year? And this, this was in February or March. 
And I said, well, I may, I may be if the, uh, if the pay is, is good. He said, oh, oh, the pay will be quite, quite good. So I ended up booking that as a solo performer 27 days in a row. Seven days a week, I played seven shows a day, seven days a week at the State Fair. And it was, that's a whole, I'm, I'm going to write a book about my whole experience at the State Fair because it was something. Now, <clears throat> I have to say that was probably one of the best training experiences of my life to get me in shape to play any kind of event as a solo performer. When you're in front of that many people day after day after day, you develop a type of immunity to stage fright and, and being you know, stressed out by crowds. I was in a coliseum on a stage. Think of a Branson-type show. That's, that's what it, it was. And people would come in this coliseum every hour on the hour. Exactly. You are not going to be one minute late. You start on the hour. And they would come in and sit in these seats that they had there for me. It was a music show. And I would come out and do a 20-minute show. That was the good thing. I only had to do 20 minutes. And then I would have 40 minutes in my dressing room. I, they had a real nice dressing room there for me. I'd go backstage and had a shower and all that. And then, then a new crowd would come in. That crowd would leave and go to some other, you know, display or or exhibit at the State Fair of Texas, and an entirely new crowd would come in and fill the seats. And this went on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh, you know, the the weekdays were usually not crazy unless there were certain school days when every junior high school in the state of Texas would come to the State Fair in buses. And then they would have a seniors day once a week where all of the retirement centers from around the state uh, the, for the people who could come would come. Then we would have a special needs day when all the special needs kids would come like Special Olympics. And it was real cool. On the weekends, it was a madhouse. You know, every Saturday and Sunday, it was so many people you couldn't, you couldn't move. They told me that they, they, they usually would have three and a half million people come through the State Fair of Texas on an average year. So I did that for several years, and then um, I didn't do it anymore because my gigs, my local gigs got so, you know, five, six nights a week, and they were resident gigs, and I was making such good, solid income with the resident gigs. I didn't want to go, and I couldn't really, to be honest with you. I couldn't leave them for a month and then come back and try to reestablish all that. I just didn't, didn't want to do it, so... I chose not to do the state fair gig anymore, but said all that just to say that there is, there is huge opportunity out there to perform for events, festivals, and fairs, but you have to learn how it works, how to do it, and that's why I put together the course, Booked Solid, Playing Solo for Good Pay, uh, that you can find at thegigcoach.com. If you go to the T-H-E-G-I-G-C-O-A-C-H dot com. You'll find that course, and it is a um, kind of a turnkey blueprint, and it's it's very uh, detailed. It, it gives you a lot of videos and a lot of um, printed material, PDFs, 
and other things that will show you step-by-step how to do several facets of the entertainment business and how to keep yourself in a very solid position for gigs year-round, not any seasonal thing and not having to play for, you know, tips or or a hundred bucks in a a dive bar, like, you know, so many of us have done for so long. Unfortunately, music and music performance has become a commodity that you can find people willing to sit on a stool and play a guitar and sing cover songs or sometimes original songs, which doesn't go over well. You can find those people anywhere, and they're playing for rock bottom money. The reason they don't get paid well is they don't add any value to the business who has booked them. If you add value, if you bring value to a business, you are going to be paid because it's an exchange. They're exchanging uh, money for your ability to bring people in and, here's the word, entertain them. You have to entertain people. It's not enough just to sing great songs. Maybe you wrote great songs. I can tell you no one's going to hear them in these if, in these gigs because they're not listening. They're talking and they're laughing and they're drinking and they're doing all of that stuff. You know this. You end up being just background music. You might as well be, uh, you know, iTunes playing on the speakers. And you realize that if you've done this for a while. So how do you overcome that? What do you have to do? You have to build a, an entertaining act. You can do it with your, your you know, singing and playing, but you're going to have to use track music to do it. I'm sorry if some of you are, you know, oh, no, no, that's karaoke. You can call it what you want, but if you want to make money doing this, you can keep doing it for free forever. But the people who want to make money and pay their electric bill and pay their mortgage and pay their car payment, you know, those pesky little things in life known as bills, for the people who want to do that, you are not going to make it playing solo with an acoustic guitar and trying to sing cover songs or original songs. You're going to need to put together tracks so that people can hear familiar songs that they're used to hearing on the radio. Now, if you're a recording artist or someone who's famous, yeah, you can sit on a stool and play your guitar. If you're if you're Willie Nelson, you know, or 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 whoever, Zach Brown, yeah, you can sit there. You're famous already. That's not going to be the case for 99.999999% of all the rest of us who like to do this and want to do it. So I decided, you know, years in 2008, actually, I was, oh God, I'd just gone through a, a, a rough time in my life. My career of 13 years had gone away because of the financial crisis. It went poof. And I happened to be going through a, a nasty divorce at the time. And I decided I was just, I was playing in a band and I was doing solo stuff, you know, half and half kind of. And I decided I was just going to pursue my solo performances and and do that because I'd been out in Vegas and understood that a solo performer can make good money. Now, I live near Austin, Texas, and believe it or not, the market in in Texas or somewhere else, you know, that's not Las Vegas or LA or Nashville, not a music hub, the market's better. It pays better, really, the farther you are away from a music hub. But I've been able to carve out 
this niche I have in, in the Austin, Texas market, which tells you there's a vi some viable ideas, you know, contained in that. But I would encourage you, if you're interested in, in making money, you know, maybe doing this as a full-time career like, like I do, then check out thegigcoach.com and uh, look at some of the courses that I have there that can help you do what you're wanting to do. Because honestly, the worst day I've ever had with a gig was better than the average day I had working in corporate America and doing that whole thing. Oh, you know what I mean if you're trapped in that right now. So this is Rick Bell, the gig coach, and I encourage you to go. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, you know, tell some people about it and uh, try to spread the word because what we're trying to do is lift the entire gig scene for everyone because there's an old saying that says a rising tide lifts all ships. We're not in competition with other people who are good entertainers. We need them to help bolster the gigs for us, to keep the venues in business, to keep them from going out of business or discontinuing entertainment altogether where you can't even get a shot in there. We need good entertainment. So always encourage other bands, other, you know, performers in your area, try to turn them on to the gig coach stuff to improve what they're doing because the more, the better they get, the better it's going to Thank be for you. Thank you for listening to the Gig Coach Podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at thegigcoach.com. That's T-H-E-G-I-G-C-O-A-C-H.com. Make sure to join the Gig Coach Workshop when you're there. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to the Gig Coach Podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchasers, or Audible. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Gig Coach Podcast? Send them a link to this episode. We only grow when our listeners share our podcasts, and we really appreciate it when you do. Thanks for listening.